Well, welcome everybody. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, join us for worship and celebration of Matt and the table and to engage in God's presence. So fun. Um, we are in the middle of the summer in the scriptures. Uh, a couple of years ago, we said, hey, we're going to read every single word of the New Testament. And we tried. I mean, some of you guys did it, but most people tried. Good job. And then last year we said, we're going to do readings in the whole Bible over the whole story of God. And we took a good crack at it. And this year we're reading through Colossians. That's it. Colossians. And so if you pay attention today, you're all caught up. It's one or two verses a day. But the whole point is not to go, oh, sweet, we got the summer off, but to actually think about each each verse, each passage, and spend some time diving into it. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time in Colossians, be encouraged, um, maybe get our butts kicked a little bit. It'll be really fun. Um, But when I think of the summers, I think of two different things. One, summer in the scriptures, and two, the bachelorette. Now, uh, listen, I know, I get your emails. It's an awful show. It's, I get it. But it's summer and there's nothing else on. And so I watch it sometimes. But here's the deal. This is what I realized. This is the way I'm going to turn the corner on this. I, it's not that I love The Bachelorette, but I, the truth is I love love. That's what's true. Like when you look at me, you think, man, Ben, you're so tough. You're like the Marlboro man. But no, I'm love. I love love. I'm this tender-hearted, passionate love person. And uh, I just don't present that way. And, uh, but in the various parts of my right, growing up, when I was in sixth and seventh grade, every night before I'd go to bed, I would put on Cameo Love Lines and I would listen to love songs. You know what I'm talking about? Like, not just like the, like not love songs now. I mean, talking real love songs, like Richard Marks love songs. And as a middle schooler, you know, I didn't know a lot about love. And so I needed people like Richard Marks to teach me. Right? And so people like Richard Marks would sing these songs and they'd give you this idea of what love is, right? And as a sixth and seventh grader, I'm like, yes, okay. I think I know what I'm, he's talking about. I know what I should be looking for when I'm going to find the woman I'm going to marry someday. I mean, just, yes. Well, eighth grade, I had the opportunity to put all this knowledge into practice. I've been dating this girl, Jennifer Rigsby, for about two or three weeks now, so it's getting kind of serious. And, um, and there, was a, there was a middle school dance that Friday. And so we go to the dance and, you know, once we got past Salt and Peppa and um, Bon Jovi and all the stuff I don't know how to dance to, Richard Marks comes on. And I'm like, I know what to do now. So we, we met, we walked to each other, put my arms around her waist, not on her bottom, because I'm a respectful man. Her, she put her whole hands on my shoulder and we would dance. You know what I'm talking about, right? So I had the idea of love. Now I'm about to have the experience of love. Because there's this awkward moment where I, we stood back from each other and our eyes met. And this is the moment. We leaned in. And there it was on the dance floor, love, true love, experienced with me and Jennifer Rigby. And I knew this was the case because for those whole two weeks, we've been walking around campus. She had a big I heart Ben on her hand. We just danced to Richard Marks. This was going to be a love that lasted. Well, sure enough, a week later, her friend calls me up and says, listen, Jennifer Rigby doesn't want to date you anymore. She found a seventh grader. Oh, double whammy. Not just an eighth grader. I mean, not just a breakup, but a seventh grader. And my heart was crushed. Crushed. And when I think about love, I think about this. There's this idea of love. And then there's this expression and this experience of love. And it's so good. But then for it to be true love, it actually has to like last longer than some cute seventh grader showing up on the scene, right? It actually has to make it through something. And when you make it through something, 
Well, then what you have on the other side is love, love. And I love, love, love. My wife and I have been married for 19 years now and I love her. We're so committed. We have, we're so rock solid in our marriage that for our anniversary this year, we did VBS. That's how, that's how in love we are. You don't need that romance nonsense. We got VBS. That's what we do, right? And uh, so we have, but, but after 19 years, I'm like, oh, that's different. Jennifer Rigsby, that kind of love, that didn't, that didn't like draw me to know and love people better. That didn't draw my self-esteem and give me confidence. Not at all. It made me more insecure. But right, walking through life with, for 19 years with Kay, I'm like, oh, I'm settled. I'm loved. I got it. And I mean, we're just in the beginning of this thing. I mean, some really old people, you know, the, the Nolans, Mike and Kathleen Nolan, they, they've been married for a long time. They're at the end, right? The four kids and they're married forever and ever. But I look at them and I go, they are love, love. They are so in love. They, they've walked through not just the idea of love, not just the expression of love, not just the years and decades of all the highs and lows of all that life has brought them. But now on the back end of it, they love love. They are so in love that they have all of this space and latitude to love other people. Like every young person in our MOPS group is loved by Kathy Nolan. Even people who aren't even in MOPS yet, I was having coffee with a student and there's Kathy Nolan sitting down with this young about to be mom, just loving her. They have nothing to prove anymore. They are so in love. They've experienced love, walked through love for so long that now they can just be all that God has for them and be a gift to all of us. That was kind of a long story. I get that. You're like, what does that have to do with Colossians? Not that much. But it has this to do with Colossians. The faith that Paul talks about is a faith that's rooted in love. And it's not just this idea of God. That's great. It's not just this experience with God, which is even great. But the faith that transforms us, that heals us, that uses us to impact the entire world is a faith that has this idea of God, this experience of God, and then it is strengthened year in and year out, season and out of season. And what is on the end of that is a real and authentic faith that will change not just us, but the entire world. And Paul's prayer to the church in Colossae is that, that they would experience the love of God, not just in a junior high love experience, but in a Noland experience to the depth that are being and change forever. So this morning, we're going to go through Colossians. So if you have your Bible, your phone, your iPad, or the old school book in front of you, turn to Colossians, and we're going to unpack Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Big number one, little three. All right, it begins with this. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all of God's people. I love that. The immediate, the way this prayer starts is when Paul is imagining this church, when he's imagining this group of people, he's not just going, oh, there's a good group of people. Man, those guys are so smart. They know their Torah backwards and forwards. Oh, those guys, they're great. They totally abstain from food sacrificed to idols and playing cards. That's so awesome. I love them. That's not, what he's, that's not what got them all wrought up. When he's thinking about this church in Colossae and he's about to pray for them and he's about to write this letter for them, he says, oh, we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love that you have for all of God's people. He's so excited about them. He's so fired up for them because he knows that they have a genuine faith, a real faith. And that faith is expressed in the way that they love each other. It has this reputation from everyone around them that their love for each other is impacting their community. It says that the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about what you've already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. I love it that this faith and love, it's not good Bible knowledge. 
it's not an incredible time at camp or a neat time on a mission trip, which all those things are important. But this faith, this true faith, this authentic faith is a faith, right, that is sprung up from the hope that is stored up in heaven. Now, hope is like this weird, intangible thing. But the truth is, real hope actually changes how you live. I know this is true because downstairs in December during children's ministry, all the kids start getting kind of snotty. They know it's almost Christmas. They know that as you as good parents are about to hook them up, they may not get the number one thing on their list, which is just a trick. They put the number one thing they know they're not going to get and the number two thing is the thing they really want. And they know that they are going to get something incredible on Christmas. They know it because year in and year out, you've been good parents and you've taken care of them on Christmas. And so they know on Christmas Eve, they're not like, oh, I hope I'm a good kid and Santa comes. They're like, no, they're, they're past that. They know that you love them and are going to hook them up on Christmas. And they walk around church on Sunday all December long, like I know what I'm getting because they know. They trust you. You, They've experienced true hope. They know on Christmas Eve that's going to happen. Well, the idea of faith, faith isn't just this idea. It's not just this thing we think about. But faith is rooted in hope, in the reality of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us on the cross and what he's going to do in us and through us and throughout the whole world. It's going to happen. It is happening. It is a reality and if a faith that is experienced in that is a real and genuine faith, and Paul is so fired up about that, that is the faith that he's talking about. And he says that this is a faith that is growing, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the entire world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you first heard it and truly understood God's grace. Now, I love being a part of a church. And I know a lot of times I, people tell us to me, and I think this way almost every Sunday I wake up, why do I need to go to church? I can go out and walk on the ocean. I can go for a hike. I can read the Bible. I can grow in my faith all by my own. And it's totally true. How cool is that, right? We can be connected to Jesus anywhere. But the reason why I love being connected to the church, one of them, is that when I think of my own life and my own faith, I go, I've been a Christian for almost 20 years. And I forget what I was like when I first became a Christian in those first couple years when I was really growing. And I've, I kind of get into a rut a little bit. And my faith is, I want to I read scripture. I want to know God. I want to quit doing the bad stuff and do more of the good stuff. And if I do that, my life actually is better. And I have this weird behavioral management part of my faith. If I just do the right thing, if you just do the right thing, it's all going to work out. But why I love being a part of the church is because when I'm a part of the church, all of a sudden I hear stories about how God is actually alive. Like the Holy Spirit grabbing the hearts of students who have no business ever coming to church, showing up at church and being like, oh, I think I love God. I'm getting after it. Old people showing up at church like, I kind of feel warm to this God thing. I'm not sure what's going on. And all of a sudden they became Christians. We've seen people, addicts, who are like, I'm spun out on drugs. All of a sudden, God grabs a hold of them and frees them. Like real stories right here in our church. And that's just our church. And our church is connected to a denomination. And there's churches all over America and the world that are God's doing incredible things. We have missionaries that are God's doing incredible things. And so this hope, this gospel is not just this intellectual exercise. It's not just behavior management. We are a part of a movement of God. And maybe in your life, you're like, I'm just do going through the motions. And that's fine. Go through the motions. But don't go through the motions at the expense of missing that the God of the universe is alive and he's active and he's doing incredible things. It is bearing fruit in your life and in our church throughout the whole world. So you can just get the sense, Paul, when he's writing this letter, he is just like pumped on these guys. He is, he is so impressed with their faith. It is a real and authentic faith. And, uh, and, and then as he transitions into verse 9, he has this prayer for them. And I, and I love this part in, uh, in verse 9 to 12. 
Um, it's this prayer. And I, as I read, the very first couple of times I read, I'm like, oh, what's going on here? And I imagine Paul reading it like just so full of emotion, so full of excitement. Like I know that when Paul was writing this, like if he, he, he I mean, his hand must have just been going crazy. Because just listen to the passion and just gobbledygook of all this. It says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the power, according to the gloriousness that, uh, with all glorious might, that you have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. <sighs> that's his prayer. Like, that's one paragraph. Like, what in the world is going on there? And I think about this, I'm like, man, that's passion. Like, I mean, I love Jesus, but I don't, that's like passion. And I was thinking, what does that look like to have that kind of passion? And I came across this video. I mean, I like to surf, um, but I definitely don't like to surf as much as this guy. Check this out. Oh, bro, it's just like, dude, you get the best barrels ever, dude. Just like you pull in and you just get spit right out of them. And you just drop in and just smack the lip. Drop down. Snap, and then after that, you just drop in. You just ride the barrel and get pitted, so pitted like that. <laughs> That's what I imagine Paul was doing. Paul's sitting in his study just like, whoa, like, like he talks about, like, you know, prayers of groans. And he's so pumped on these guys, he's just like Christian gobbledygook, he just pours it all out. But I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, my daughter, we picked up my daughter at Frontier Ranch last, uh, yesterday. And she's like, hey, dad, come up to the stage. And up at the stage, all the kids, they, uh, they put their thumbprint up by the cross. And uh, their whole theme was identity. And she said, dad, I put my thumbprint up by the cross because my identity is not in sports. It's in Christ. Oh, look at Frontier Ranch doing such a good job. I'm like, that's so great, Mackenzie. I love that. And then we have like our high school kids, like you remember our seniors, they come up here and they're talking about what God's doing in their life and their faith and how they're going to go after it and their walk with God forever and ever. And as adults, we're like, oh. So great. Because we know that, oh my goodness, there is danger ahead, right? That moment that is so sweet and so great. For those of us who have lived just a little longer, we're like, oh my goodness, you are in big trouble. The world is so dangerous out there. There are so many pitfalls, so many landmines, so many ways that you are going to get derailed. And like, there's this tension where we like just go, my identity is not in sports, but it's in Jesus. You're like, yes, but look out, you know? And Paul in this, this prayer is exactly that. He's like, oh, I love you guys. Your faith and your love for each other. It is so deep. It is so authentic. It is bearing fruit everywhere. So let me tell you this prayer. I have this prayer for you. And he offers up four things that I think are relevant for all of us. The very first thing he says is this. The knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. We continually ask God to fill you with that, the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Now in the church, God's will is kind of this weird thing. What college do I go to? Should I take that job? And then we do our own thing. If you think about it, if that's how we approach God, I've only really needed to know God's will three times in my whole life. Like that's it. Oh, I'm going to this job. Great, done. But that's not what it's talking about. It's the knowledge of God's will. God has something for you. And it's not to do, it's not what is this thing that I do, the big picture thing. We always think if God told me to go to Africa, I'm going to Africa. But that's never the case because we're too busy not listening ever to God that when God's trying to get our attention for something big, we miss it because knowing God's will is all of the little and small choices all along the way. And I love it. It says that 
to be the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Our faith in Christ is not this religious do-goodism, like we do these things. It's being connected to the Spirit of God. That's hard to do. That doesn't make sense. I don't even know how to teach you to do that. I can barely do that. But it's this wrestling with learning how to hear from God. God, what do you have for me? Every single person in this room, this is where we live. This is our job. This is our moment. This is where we are right now. Which means right now, God has something for us to do and for people to be about. And the only way we're going to know that is to be connected to the Holy Spirit. We have to know God's will through the Holy Spirit. That's the first part of his prayer. And it says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Now, I love that we're going through Colossians verse by verse, because if we just had read Colossians 1, I'll tell you right now, I would skip that verse. That's an awful verse. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Well, I live a life that I want to do and I please myself in every way. But if I read this slowly, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. If we're going to be the people and have faith for the long haul, it's a faith that works itself out and its motivation is to please Jesus. And most of us, we all think we're good people. We're all good people. And if we get busted, we go, well, aren't we all bad people? Like, well, we're all sinners. Like, that's like, our, we're, we're either, oh, we're good, don't talk to me, or oh, we're all dirtballs. Like, that's like, but that's not the case. As Christians, right, we live to please God. And we, we know that's the case because all we do is value nod to each other, right? We go, well, I recycle. I would never vote for that person. I'd never vote for that person. This is, you know, and we think then we're good people. But that's not what God's calling us to do. God's saying, live a life that pleases Jesus. Now, here's an awful challenge. What if you just today said, I'm going to live a life and I'm going to please my spouse. I'm going to please my parent. I'm going to please my child. I'm going to please my roommate. Today, I'm going to live and please that other person. And we're like, we're, we're, we're like smart marine people. That's being codependent. Who wants to be codependent? Well, I'm not going to do that. No, yes, some people are codependent with like one or two people. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about living to please other people, to humble yourself and honor other people because you will never be able to please Jesus. You'll never be able to die to yourself and give up your own garbage and please Jesus unless you have some muscle memory and can do that with the real actual humans in your life. We have to learn to die to ourselves to please other people, consider other people, to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is way harsher. Jesus says, right, you should lay down your life for your friend. Pick up your cross and follow me. Paul's just like, hey, live to please Jesus. So we want to be people who please Jesus with our mind, with our thoughts, with our actions, what we do, what we don't do. Well, that's why we go through verse by verse. Brutal. So that we would know God's will, that we would learn to live to please him, that we'd be strengthened with all power in accordance to his glorious might so that you may have patience and endurance. And let's be honest. We are not patient people. We are instant people. I get so upset if my phone call drops on my way to work. If a video has to buffer, I'm like pulling my hair. I'm like, where do we live? Like in 2012? I'm like so mad, you know? <laughs> we don't have any muscle memory for the long haul. Jenny Rigby dumped me. She, poor thing now, who knows what she's doing? She could have had me. No, some cute seventh grader, <laughs> right? We have no muscle memory for being patient. We want it, we buy it, we will deal with the consequences later. But all great things, all important things, all mighty things happen in the very quietness of the day in, day out, mundane, 
loving and gracious to one another, to our kids, to our friends, to our spouses, and to Jesus. That is our call. And we have to have strength. We think, oh, it's too hard. Or like, that's right. Being patient is too hard. That's why we pray for strength. But Christians, people whose hope is in eternity, right? That's a long way from now. That is our hope. We are patient people. The core of who we should be is patient people, right? I love when Jeff says, give it a day, man. Give it a day. God is doing stuff. God is at work. Give it a day. What's a week? What's a month? Think about what's 10 years in the life of the Nolans, right? That's just a, a, it's a moment. Just give it a minute to be patient into the strength. And the last is this, to give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. You know, when you go to Disneyland, the kids are having a great time and every dad's walking around with like dead eyes, right? It's like, this is the worst thing ever. And the kids are like, this is so great. The kids, it's a great thing because they're at Disneyland. They didn't have to worry about where they're going to park or who's going to pay for things or when the line's going to happen. Like they just go, oh, I'm hungry. Oh, food shows up. Oh, we also sudden ended Pirates of the Caribbean. Like they don't know, like you did all that work and your kids get to experience the joy of that. A faith that is rooted in who God is Trust in the provision of God, trust in the relationship of God, which means that we don't need to be spun up, right? If you took your kid to Disneyland and all they did was like, well, where are we going to eat? This line's too long. Uh, what are we going to do? I need to, how, who's going to pay for the Mickey Mouse hat? And you'd be like, shut up, kid. I'm the dad. I got this thing, right? We, we would take all the joy out of it. God has our back. He loves us. Every good, every perfect gift comes from him. He is our heavenly father who loves us, who's adopted us in as his daughters and sons. He loves us. And if we are all spun out and anxious and angry and missing the joy, then we are missing what God has for us. We read scripture slowly, so we go, oh, I don't have joy. What in the world is going on? And I love it. And his joy is rooted in theology. So not only, right, do we have to have an authentic faith, not only do we need to make it with prayer, but we also lastly have to have good theology. Verse 12 says this, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have the redemption and the forgiveness of sins. We have joy because we are redeemed people. Because we are brand new people. It is so tiring to try to prove to everybody that we have our garbage together. It's so tiring to try to prove to everybody that I'm a decent dad and a decent husband and a decent pastor and and all these things that I try to keep my image up. And if someone finds out, I'm going to be just decimated. It is too hard. Good theology helps us have a a correct view of God, a correct view of the world, a correct view of ourselves, and a correct view of our neighbors. And almost every passage in Colossians ends with this little theological chunk, a reminder to the people of Colossae who lived in this totally pluralistic society. They had all sorts of information coming at them. How in the world do you decipher and figure out what is true? Well, all the time, Paul's like, let me tell you, and it all centers on the person and work of Jesus Christ. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Do you, can you even own that our life, our native land is the dominion of darkness? Our nature, our flesh is to be jerk, jerks and to be rebellious, to be selfish, to be prideful, arrogant people. I mean, that is the core of who our being. That's our nature. So when that comes up, you don't have to, you have to pretend it's not happening or, oh, we're all those people. Go, oh, oh, that's part of my old nature. That's part of my old self. But I've been rescued 
from the kingdom of darkness. That's not who I am anymore. That's who I was. That's in me still that God's rooting out, but that was who I was and it's rooted out and I brought from the kingdom of darkness and I'm invited into the kingdom of light. I am now a daughter and son of the King Most High. I've been given gifts and abilities and a place and a location to live out all of who I am so that the kingdom of God can be established and grown right here in this context, in this place, until God moves me. That is who I am. So my theology matters. I have to have a true understanding that God is a good God. I don't understand how and why he does stuff, but he is a good God. And he promises at least to be with us. Maybe that's not going to all work out for us um, in the things that we want, but he will be with us. We have to understand that we are sinful and rebellious people. So when we are jerks to our spouses and our kids and our friends, oh, we got to own that. Not well, we're all jerks, but no, that's not who God's making me to be. That needs to be something that needs to be rooted out in me, needs to be refined in me, needs to be healed in me and changed in me so that I can be a daughter and son of the light and the kingdom of the son whom he loves. So our theology matters. And all through Colossians, every passage is going to be some sort of try this out, think about this, you should do this, and then remember it's about Jesus. It's almost a rhythm through all of Colossians. So our theology matters. So last week, Jeff said, and I think this is going to be our rhythm for the whole, our whole um, series, is what's the point? That we're not just hearers of the word. We don't just go, oh, I like that passage of scripture. Oh, I don't like that passage of scripture. I'm going to walk away. No, we are hearers of the word. What does that passage of scripture have for me? So just three quick things that I want you to think about, and maybe one of these is for you. One, do you know that you've been rescued? Like, do you know in your head? Yep, you were part of the dominion of darkness. You are selfish and rebellious and a big fat jerk. That's in you. But do you know that you've been saved and redeemed and forgiven and given a new identity and a new purpose and a new plan under the authority of Jesus Christ? Like, do you know that in your head? That's the gospel. That is the good news that God invites us to. We must have good theology. And if your theology is out of whack, maybe something is awful going on in your life, and you're like, God, that, that God you talk about does not make sense with me, well, then we must wrestle with theology, with the scriptures in community. But more than do you know that you've been rescued, have you experienced that? Like in your heart, this, is, this faith is not an intellectual faith alone. It is a relational faith. We are connected to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is alive and he's active and he's in us and moving in us and through us. He wants to heal us and send us. He wants to speak to us and encourage us. Have you experienced that? Has it been a long time? Do you need to go back to certain rhythms and, and practices that put you in a place to hear from the actual Holy Spirit? Because it's not just good enough to know in your head the gospel and that you've been rescued. Have you experienced being rescued? And maybe the third thing is, do you just need prayer? If we are going to be these people of faith and be God's people here in Marin, then our faith has to be alive and has to be active. And Paul's prayer is a prayer for us, that we would be sensitive to God's will, that our lives would please him in every way, that we'd be strengthened with all patience and endurance, and that we would find joy. It's one of those things for you. Do you need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what God has for you? Is your life a little out of whack? You need to come back under the bounds of what Jesus has for you so you can please him. Have you lost hope and need the strength 
to do whatever God's called you to do for the long haul, day in and day out? Or have you lost joy? I'm tired of being an angry dad. I know the last one's for me. I, me being an angry dad is more about me not having faith in who God has called me to do and what God's called me to be and God, what, God, what he's called me to do. I need connection to the Holy Spirit. I need prayer for endurance. I need joy. What prayer do you have? Let me, pray, let me close this in prayer and then we'll, we'll call it quits for the day. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, you are so good to your people. You are so gracious to us. And this morning, God, we need to hear from you. We all long to not just know about love. We long to experience love. We don't just want to hear about faith. We want to experience faith. Faith for the long haul. So I pray for myself and my family. I pray for our church family, God that you would speak to us through your spirit. What do we need to hear from you? What do we need to do to get our head right, to have good theology, to live in the truth? What space do we need to rekindle our love and affection towards you? To not just be head knowledge Christians, but to be heart-passioned Christians. Are we willing to be quiet enough to think about what is actually happening in our faith? The disappointment, the loss, the apathy, the rebellion, the shame. I don't know, that's just my junk. We all have stuff. What is that? God, will you meet us in our desperate need? Will you open our ears to your will? Will you draw us to long to please you with our lives. Will you give us strength and be patient in this season of long suffering? And may we find joy that we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and been adopted as daughters and sons into the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of your son, Jesus, in whom you love. And may all honor and glory be to your son, Jesus, both now and forevermore. Amen and amen.